Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Against Gil, the crowd on its feet. Allen for the win! Sneaker History Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a very quick technology-based episode of the Sneaker History Podcast. We're talking new shoes and tech with my guy Rowett here. How you doing, Mr. Rowett? I'm doing good, Mr. Robbie. I'm here to play the layman as you explain the wonderful machinations of these shoes and how they're going to change my life once I put them on. <laughs> If you're the layman for being so fantastic, this episode's just full of awesomeness then, because there's very little things lame about the shoes and you, my friend. Uh, we're talking to two kicks, um, both underneath the Nike umbrella, nothing too crazy. One of them we've seen a lot of. The second one we're just getting news of. So let's go ahead and start off with, I think, the, the newer and more elusive one. Converse is dropping on the 13th, a new All-Star BB, which is off their All-Star BB platform. They've had an evolution. They've had highs. They've had lows. All different takes on the BB basketball All-Star modernization. But today we have the Prototype CX, which features Converse's CX Foam as cushioning. CX Foam can be found in things like the new Chuck 70, that little crater mock looking shoe, uh, their running tight models. The CX is the new way for Converse. And today we have a model that is made for everybody, something very much found in modern NBA. What is that thing, Rowett? What's that thing we find everywhere? The fact that it's positionless. I mean, I think one of the most popular quotes I've attributed to this modern era of basketball is something that Jalen Rose once said in a podcast, which was positions were created to help novices identify aspects of the game. And I do think we're kind of blending into the chocolate and the peanut butter side of things where the positions are blurring. You've got seven footers that can shoot threes. You've got point guards that have back to basket game. And we're truly living in a basketball nirvana. So this shoe looks to capitalize on that. It really does. I mean, what do you think about the main players who wear these kind of things? Obviously, the first person is the champion, Mr. Draymond Green, who truly doesn't have on offense or defense a position you could easily tie him to for a casual viewer to say, oh, that's what Draymond does. And I think this model, from a looks and tech standpoint, very much give off that same vibe. This is not a shoe that is going to be like all the others. And I think that's a very good thing, especially when you take into account the athletes wearing it. Um, what do you think is going to be this kind of look for Shai Gilgris Alexander this year? He's going to be another big mover of the shoe. You think we're going to see a lot of him? He's going to have a good year. 
I think that Oklahoma City team was destined to be everyone's league pass team of choice whenever they needed a pick-me-up because the scintillating young basketball talent that they've accumulated this year, especially with Chet Holmgren on the squad, would have been something that would have gotten a lot of eyes on every member of that roster, including Shy. Now, unfortunately, Holmgren went down with the injury, but I still think this is going to be that breakout year from Shy Gilgis-Alexander where we kind of start mentioning him in that breath of, okay, he's next up. And this shoe seems to be the best way I would describe it is well, remember when we were little and there was a book series called Animorphs and the highlight of those books were the cover where the teenagers would turn into the animals and you would get probably five pictures in between the kid and the actual animal. This shoe mm-hmm. looks like it's right in the middle where it doesn't decide if it wants to elongate and be a big man shoe or it wants to maintain its low cut demeanor as a point guard shoe. So I think oh, man. this is going to be really good. And if for no other reason, this is going to give me another incentive to watch the Oklahoma City Thunder this year because I want to see how this shoe performs because I think this could be one of those moments in time where we realize, hey, this shoe is going to be influential, whether it's a great shoe or whether it's a not shoe, because sometimes we forget about that because brands take big swings like this. And if they miss, we don't want to talk about them again because they're so historically bad. But I have a good vibe about this shoe. I very much so have a good vibe about it, too. I mean, this it really can be for anybody. I think about uh, Natasha Cloud, Washington Mystics, WNBA player. And uh, they looks like they got bounced in the first round of the playoffs, but she's another positionless six foot, you know, big woman, technically, quote unquote, in the WNBA at that height. But there really isn't a way to to box her into a certain position. She can push the ball on a break. She can also be down in the post. Um, so this Converse prototype CX, I think, fits that, too. When was the last time you've seen an, an outsole or midsole that kind of looks like this? It almost reminds me of, I want to say something I would see the machines use in the Matrix. Yep. Right? Yeah, that's no, not a absolutely. bad thing. No, not at all. I mean, I think we're in that era of shoe design and shoe aesthetics where we're heavily borrowing from sci-fi influence. And you'd mentioned the crater look that we've seen not only in Converse shoes, but even some of the Nike offerings. And we know Converse is a part of the Nike empire. But I think what is taking and striking about this particular design is the fact that this is the first time we've seen it applied in a sleek sense for a full-on performance category shoe. I think the closest thing prior to this would be the Cosmic Unity. But even then, that shoe was probably a little bit bulky than Nike and uh, any of our any of us that were fans of the shoe would like to admit. So this seems to be the maturation of that. So I'm interested to see how this plays. Yeah, bringing up the bulk, I think it's interesting because the heel and midfoot area all throughout the mud guard, it looks really big and chunky. But at the end of the day, it is a low-sitting three-fourths shoe. You're, it, this isn't a, a, a high top at all. This isn't like your 90s Converse. But it also has the chunkiness of a 90s converse shoe so it's there and it's not if a shoe can be like that i don't know yeah um, rocky uh i don't know why i called you can call rocky, me rocky yeah i took one too many shots to the head like rocky Balbo. uh robbie what i was gonna say is can you think of a big man that has worn low-cut shoes because this is an anomaly to me now granted i lean on you because you are part of my secret history guru force so maybe you could say well actually ro such and such player and this year actually had a low-cut shoe even though he was a traditional center and maybe <sighs> our audience can do that because i think that will be the true indicator of how positionless the shoe is is Here's- we see the likes mm-hmm no, here's the thing. I can't answer that. I can't think of anybody. And the person I can think of is Anthony Davis wearing Kobe's, and he habitually has problems. But that's not the shoe issue. That's him 
being seven, growing too fast as a junior in high school and having probably not the strongest, you know, extremities, you know, around his ankles. But you're right. There really isn't a big person. But this shoe, like, if James Wiseman wanted to be on the Draymond train, you know, be like his vet. I think he, a young athletic seven footer, could very easily rock these shoes. But like, uh, Nikolai Jokic, you know, he has I really mean, cool Air Max PEs, but he's not rocking a shoe like this. No, he couldn't, I, don't I think. would think even Chet Holmgren, because I think that was, he's the newest, greatest walking, talking unicorn in the NBA. And he had that capability similar to AD where he has a guard-like handle. Maybe the growth spurt hit a little too late in his development. So maybe he was growing his whole life pretending to be a guard. But then the growth spurt kind of defined his position for him in a sense. But it is one of those things where I would be interested to see how, quote-unquote, bigs and bigs that are in high school, college age kind of gravitate towards the shoe. Because I don't know if mm-hmm. there would be a player that would necessarily rock this. That being said... I will gladly eat my slice of humble pie, which I normally do anytime I make some sort of bold proclamation like this. But it's an interesting thing to watch. I want to say rest in peace to Chet's rookie year because it's a shame we don't get to see him. But as I look at the prototype CX and I think of him being an atypical build, he would be. I think he'd be a great Converse athlete, first and foremost, uh, just with his exceptionally odd build. And the different design language that Converse is giving with these models, I think it'd be a, a, a match made in heaven. There's three release colorways dropping on the 13th of September. The first one, we don't even think about it, but I think subliminally we see white, red, and black on a Converse shoe, and we have to think Dennis Rodman because, you know, the drop colorway is a white, red, and black. Converse has that color blocking in their heritage, but we never really think of it as a Converse look, but... It definitely is. We have a great lime, green, kind of off-white, and gray look that's, you know, lime green. I don't know why that color is this. No, I was going to say, Robbie, and keep me honest, I feel like this is the most Nike of the three colorways. It is. It's most modern Nike for sure. Yes. It's Um, very Volt-adjacent colorway, especially on the bottom part of the shoe. And mm-hmm. that's something I swear I've seen that on a LeBron or any sort of basketball performance silhouette. It's just when I saw the three colorways that you've given me, I was like, okay, that's the one that Nike is going to put on shy because yeah. that's the one that kind of takes your breath away the first time you see it. And then lastly, the black and gold. What do you feel about the black and gold, Robbie? Because <sighs> I mean, I when like it's it. done right, it's done right. And I think they've kind of achieved what they're going for in that regard. They have a really good looking sock liner kind of, uh, paisley the the print name i think it's the print name um Mm -hmm. on the inside collar which i'm digging and it's just little hints like the collar on the black and gold and on the medial uh forefoot where where the ball your foot is there's actually like kind of pinkish lime green uh pinkish on top of the lime green is what i'm trying to say um where it has the um, air zoom branding and i think that's just a really poppy as you were saying kind of like young SGA vibe. What's really interesting, and from a performance standpoint, the traction on these shoes look absolutely insane. Um, I'm very curious to see how it looks. It's a very skinny four-foot bridge that allows for good flexibility and for the takeoff, but the traction pattern itself is something I haven't really seen before. Um, it reminds me almost of like a Curry, like the Curry, the early Curry Under Armour, like the Curry Under Armour 
think the curry one uh, kind of has a print looks like that. And yeah. that's a good thing that she performs like a monster. So I'm sure the CX prototype's going to do the same thing. Again, listeners, you got a beautiful CX foam. Think of it as Converse's uh, proxy to like React foam, but just a little bit more uh, springy. It's not as soft as React. You have Zoom Air in the forefoot. You have some nice looking panels. It's just going to be an overall great looking shoe. Um, make sure you're keeping your eyes out for that on the 13th. There's a couple people like Roberto and our discord who loved to wear and try different basketball shoes so i think these are going to be a great choice for him and just keeping in mind the positionless nature of these we are going to go ahead and use that to pivot to i think the person who really helped push the positionless basketball agenda but we really don't give them credit for it. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm saying that slowly to think about how to phrase it. But we don't think I, about LeBron that Rob, much like Robbie, that. If you don't mind me stepping in, I'll say Go this. Ahead, please. This man to me is probably the best point guard of his era. The issue is he's trapped in a powerful uh, power forward's body, and that's LeBron James. Well, he's a power father too. You know, as, yeah, as no. are you. We two are both yeah, oh, power fathers. You. No, no, but you're it's so also right. one of those things where. Just because of the fact that he's built a certain way, his skill set to me always aligned more with a guard and specifically a point guard. And that's evident anytime you watch a LeBron James basketball, like the basketball team, because of the fact that he's got the ball in his hands. And that's a characteristic that we would always associate with that position. And I still make that argument that he's the best point guard of his era because he is truly the most ball dominant person on his team. Anytime a LeBron James team has any sort of success or any sort of misfortune, it's because of LeBron James. And that to me is the epitome of the point guard shout out to Terrence Watson in the New York City Point Gods documentary. No, 100%. And what's interesting to your point, just to kind of strengthen that even further, he is a power forward just with a punk, with a point guard mindset. Every LeBron, I want to say since the LeBron 2 has been a three-fourths to, to a, a high top. They're, everything's kind of been designed to to hold a six-foot-nine, 270 man going up and down the basketball court very quickly. And LeBron the past year has really has, not just the past year, but the past two or three years, has really thinned out his body and gotten lean as he's gotten older. So I think it's really fitting for the LeBron line to debut in a low top for his 20th iteration because just think about how much quicker and fast twitchy you know year one and two honestly to year like 14 lebron was but just the first couple of years it's how insanely youthful and quick he was he's definitely not as fast as he was at 18 but lebron at what 39 38 now we're in the lebron 20 is going to give him the most ability to be that kind of speedy player like let's be honest the 19 the 17 18 19 are all husky boys they are very big bulky still light and agile but they're cumbersome shoes and i think nike just went we're flipping this and we're doing we're going fast no, absolutely. Uh, the analogy I recently used to describe it is think of the 17, 18, 19 as the offensive line and the 20 is a running back. So your offensive line is going to create holes for your running back to run through. And it's a astute observation by you that LeBron is slimming down. And I think he realizes the true value in him is now availability. He can't be the back to the basket guy that we've seen him transition into the second third of his career. So mm-hmm. the last three to four to five years, he decides to continue to play the sport. I do think I see him more evolving into 
to the most powerful pass first point guard we're going to see. And he's going to need a shoe that is high in durability in terms of lasting long, but it can't be bulky because speed is now going to have to be a part of his game in a way power previously was. 100%. And to switch away from the power, that has to start with getting rid of the visible Air Max. I mean, it this puts you on such a high platform in a, in a good way. It does a lot of great stuff in basketball, but you, you're, you're now floating over the ground always to some degree with a level of bulkiness and the 20 just went, all right, we're going file on stacked in the front. I think there's a, there's a hexagonal four foot unit and it's a normal rectangle unit in the back of zoom air. Like we're going light, low and zoom, which is, let's be honest, uh, probably going to be a very similar setup to what John Morant drops in 2023 low zoomy um you know this Kobe inspired I think you and a lot of other people just see uh would you call it a, a Kobe what 0.5 on the 20 yeah 4.5 because I mean I think this is where you once again being the expert can kind of keep me honest I see this shoe and I think okay this is almost an homage to the fact that Kobe's back within the Nike Empire it is a very Kobe inspired shoe in terms of its aesthetic and I think we were all having a similar I wouldn't say confusion but there was a decent amount of curiosity when the Kobe 4 first debuted and everybody was very concerned in a sense to say okay are we really going to do a low-cut shoe given the fact that basketball players tend to have very problematic ankles and this could only amplify that but kobe mm -hmm. made it work kobe ushered in that new era and similar to what we were talking about with the converse shoe if this goes right imagine what we start thinking about when we look at big shoes going to the future maybe they will also become more low-cut maybe they will also become light because these guys may have the power of a tank, but they have to have the nimbleness of a ballerina. And I think this type of shoe only amplifies that a little bit more. Couldn't be more true. And it's interesting to see the theories of this LeBron 20 being more low cut because in, and more Kobe-like because they didn't know, they being Nike, didn't know what the status of Kobe's lineage was going to be or, you know, what they're going to be able to release still with the Kobe products. So... That makes sense, but I also think so much design happens. I mean, Robbie, to right. kind of amplify, sorry, can I keep using no, the word amplify, but it makes sense in this sense. What is old is new again. And we're seeing retro cycles get shorter and shorter. And this is probably mm -hmm. a symptom of that. But this is also enough of it is different enough where I'm going to consider buying a pair of LeBrons, which I haven't really thought about that statement since probably what the 15 or the 16. Like that's the last LeBron shoe where I was like, OK, this is a must have LeBron shoe. In the last couple of years, I haven't necessarily felt that. But granted, I'm just a small, isolated voice in a larger sneaker community. And that may be the they may not be the case for everyone else. Well, I mean, to your point about when you've bought your last LeBron. 100% cannot lie. I did not buy a pair of LeBron 18s until I was able to get a low top pair for the, the appropriate price. And the same thing with the 19. I have no interest in the LeBron 19 high. I like the way the low looks a lot. I'm just waiting for the light, the right price point to hit and I'll be happy to own it. Dropping the 20 from the jump, jump, jump. We keep doing that both this episode saying words twice. Um, it just gives the people kind of what they want from the beginning. And I think that's a power move. I bought the LeBron 17 in high top. That's the last high top LeBron I bought. I got the white men can't jump. White men, white man can't jump. Um, force but, inspired. I mean, did you play with them? Like, did that help you in your 
actual basketball game or was that more of an aesthetic purchase? It's an aesthetic. Those are white battle knit, I think, or hyper knit. So I, those, made for basketball, but I prefer not to get dirty. I think I kind of want to go put them on now. They're in the back of the closet, but my ankle has been hurting and I can imagine the ankle protection. Shout out to Greg being very good on that commands force inspired LeBron 17. But tell me this, if Rowett's going to go to the coach K gym on campus, which one is he lacing up the prototype CX with a little something different or the LeBron 20, something new and familiar yet familiar. I would like to try the Converse shoe. I think if we are talking about inside the berm, I'm going to see so much LeBron 20 up and down the courts of not only the court coach K, but the Cynthia Cooper field outside uh, the Bo Jackson courts. And I will be able to get a lot of people's opinions on the LeBron 20. I won't be able to get that with the Converse. So I think Mm -hmm. that's why I would tend to gravitate towards the Converse. That being said, I'm sure there's going to be a colorway of the LeBron 20 that I'm going to be like, yeah, I need to have this. So that will be a RoboCop. I'm not going to lie to you, man. The pink colorway, I think, is great. The black-red kind of trifoil iridescent double swoosh bread pair looks fantastic. This, like, um, violet frost uh, bandana printed midsole LeBron 20 looks fantastic. But, I mean, to your same point, you're going to see everybody wearing a LeBron 20. It's a great shoe. They should wear it. Personally, I'm slow. I want to be unique. Like, right, I'm not worried about... um, I'm going to be me on the basketball court no matter what. My skill set doesn't really dictate a basketball shoe amplifying or detracting from my game. So I just want to look cool and crazy and unique. So I love wearing the Converse stuff on court, and I would go with the prototype CX in that lime green and gray just because when people stop and they see me winded and my hands are on my knees and I'm gassed and the conversation turns into, what shoes are those? Those are sick. I can have a, a conversation about a model I've never seen before. And I think that's what's more fun. Um, and CX foam is crazy comfortable. I have it in a couple pairs of chucks and I have the CX weapon. They make an 80 shoe comfortable again. So a brand new design. Say, you're, my, you're my senior Converse expert. So usually when you say something about Converse, I tend to listen. And I think it goes back to one of the other overarching themes of this episode. The minute that shoe hits big, people are going to start realizing about Converse's tech. And it's just as comparable as Nike or Adidas. So interesting times for Converse enthusiasts like yourself everywhere. In a good way, man. So be sure to check out your pair on checkout. If it's like a library, you could check out your pair on September 13th um, or cop a pair on September 13th. The LeBron 20, I'm imagining it's coming out in October, uh, maybe a little earlier. Um, but historically, LeBron's dropped in October. So we'll see what happens there. But I'm excited for both shoes. It's a great time and just basketball footwear um, across the board from each of the brands. Absolutely. No, I was going to say this, Robbie, apparently finish line dropped the Violent Frost LeBron 20s today. So if the time you hear this and finish line has decided that's not a mistake, go ahead and cop a pair. Tell us how you feel about them on our Sneaker History Discord or maybe leave us a review telling us about it. But we definitely want to hear from you guys as our community how these two shoes are, because I think on behalf of Robbie and myself, these are probably two of the most exciting shoes that are coming out in this upcoming season because of how fundamentally different they are. A hundred percent. New is good. Different is good. Change is the only constant. And on that front, I'm Robbie. He's Rowett. This has been a great episode of Sneaker History. Like he said, make sure you leave us a review. Drop a comment on a YouTube video. Go leave a 
nice letter for your grandmother saying for her to leave a review on our podcast. Make sure you're following at Sneaker History on all major platforms. Tons of other podcasts we offer here. Rhodes hosts on one or two of the other ones. The answer is one. Um, but there's a lot of other shows out there. Just thanks for tapping in with us and have a good day. Thank you, guys. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.